Great. Well, welcome to Forum. It must be May because I see there's snow outside. So it's May 1st, it's um, May Day, and it's celebrated across the world, um, mostly now as an International Workers' Day. So um, I thought I would sort of look into this a little bit, um, and I put up a little, um, I guess, history of, of May Day. I stole this from Wikipedia and the History Channel. Um, so it's an ancient Northern Hemisphere Spring Festival, and um, it came into being the first um, kind of recorded ones were back in uh, in Rome, the Roman goddess of flowers. And um, the festival was called uh, Floralia, the festival of flora. Um, and it was held on April 27th during the Roman Republic area, era. Um, there were also celebrations in the Germanic countries, uh, it's associated with the Gaelic Beltane, um, usually held on April the 30th. And um, like a lot of these things, it, it sort of got uh, taken over by other more modern um, incarnations. So the, um, the Christians came along and decided that they would have these May devotions to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, they have a feast day for um, St. Joseph, the surrogate father of Jesus. Um, so in, in a sense, it's kind of like what happened with Easter, the, a pagan celebration and was brought into the uh, Christian church. And uh, more recently, um, a lot of the, the modern pagans have tried reviving um, this day. It's, it's kind of a special day in... In terms of things like, um, you know, how February 2nd is Groundhog Day, and that sort of fits in this calendar as being a, a halfway point between a solstice and an equinox. And, um, and May 1st is kind of in that, too, um, considered in some sense the start of summer, traditionally, with um, the equinox then being uh, midsummer. Uh, we sort of shift those, uh, our calendar, so that we start our seasons on equinox and solstices. Anyway, that's a little background. Um, but the thing that got me intrigued was May Day around the world is kind of an international uh, Workers' Day celebration, except for the United States and Canada, because we have Labor Day in autumn. And um, part of this, I think, was a reaction to... Um, the socialists and the communists uh, celebration of this day and the United States in the 50s was uh, in, a, in a real battle with the communists, certainly. Um, and so what I was intrigued by, I hadn't realized this before, but on, um, in 1958, President Eisenhower proclaims Law Day. And so May 1st in the United States is actually Law Day. And it was established in 61, um, the Congress uh, passed a joint resolution establishing May 1 as Law Day. So apparently in some law schools they actually do little um, ceremonies and have talks and stuff because it's Law Day. 
and it was to sort of celebrate the uh, establishment of the United States as a government that was uh, revered the law. That's where that came. Okay, so um, this being an election year, and there's a lot of talk, and kind of a, in the press, at least, they're um, attributing a lot of the success of two of the candidates, one on the Republican side, one on the Democratic side, to um, a kind of rebellion in the ranks and uh, among the workers um, feeling they've gotten a raw deal. And so um, I went on on the, uh, on the TED Talk uh, network, and I found something by um, a fellow that you may have heard of, and let me put his, his stats up here. So how many people are familiar with Nick um, Hanauer? Anyone know about him? Anyone know about the um, $15 per hour wage? Okay, so he was one of the early promoters of this. And uh, he had a talk that he gave back in 2012 as kind of a TED talk, but it wasn't posted. And... Um, the reason was that um, it was deemed too political and too controversial. And a lot of people got upset about that. And there's a fellow named Chris Anderson, who's the curator of TED. And he didn't put it up, and he defended that. It was only about a five-minute talk. You can see it on YouTube, but you won't see it on the TED Talks. And so there was a little... Um, Tempest about that, like why why not this guy? Why other people? So then, oh, this is interesting. You know, controversy, trying to suppress someone's someone's speech um, by an organization that purports to uh, want to put ideas out there. Right. Um, that that also is kind of uh, on my mind right now because I went and I saw Amy Goodman when Amy Goodman was in town. I don't know if anyone else here got to see her, but. Um, we went over to the uh, UNMLA and saw her speak. And she's all about trying to get people to speak for themselves. So anyway, I, I found this kind of, kind of interesting. So um, he's an entrepreneur. And um, what he found interesting, that, that line there, he founded a company called Avenue A Media, and he sold it to Microsoft for $6.4 billion. So he's a, he's a very wealthy man. And... Um, he talks about uh, plutocrats, uh, of which he considers himself one. And the uh, title of his talk is, Beware Fellow Plutocrats, the Pitchforks Are Coming. Um, he also wrote a book called The True Patriot, and he founded something called The True Patriot Network. Um, I went looking. You can, you can get that book, The True Patriot. He wrote it with another man, uh, last name uh, Liu, uh, L-I-U. But I couldn't find any reviews, and I was kind of thinking that was curious, because usually when I go on the web, I can find books, and then I read the review, right? see the review. Um, and he's founded a couple of foundations. Um, so I, what I want to do is show you his talk and, uh, and then have a short discussion. Okay? Um, so I came up with a couple of some questions here. Uh, some of these are kind of obvious, and a few are meant to be kind of provocative. Um, uh, so 
The reason I, I ended up looking for this talk originally was just thinking about the election cycle and the discussions that we're having right now and the conversation, the ongoing conversation. And it was interesting to me that um, here's a man who's coming from a, a little bit different, well, a uh, greatly different perspective than someone like Bernie Sanders. He's embracing capitalism, Bernie Sanders, in the, in the socialist camp. Um, and so there, there's the election issue. Um, uh, let's see, the, the last one, where he talks about the pitchforks. And um, for people who have looked at the Revolutionary War and its aftermath, remember there was a Shays Rebellion. At the time of the Revolution, there was um, uh, basically it was a political deal that the, that the powers, uh, the wealthy powers, the plutocrats of this country, really needed the common man to move that revolution forward. And after the revolution, there was a lot of backsliding with that. And people in a lot of the rural districts found themselves um, uh, in debt and uh, in danger of having their, well, there's a recession, essentially. They were in danger of having their farms uh, repossessed uh, by the banks. Sound familiar? <laughs> and so uh, there, there was a... Um, Shays Rebellion in Massachusetts, where uh, an, uh, an actual army got formed and, and went into uh, protest and, and have a, well, basically they were met by a private army. Um, uh, another one that, that occurred to me is this third one. Will the combination of the surveillance state and the warrior cop uh, make the pitch force uh, op, uh, obsolete? Okay, and you can say that, you know, uh, looking at revolutions, how did they come about? How could they have been stopped? And we do have a surveillance state now, and we've talked sort of about the rise of the warrior cop. Um, and and, and we, so we have very capable police forces as well. And then the one that I, I wanted to tweak people on was uh, the whole idea. Earth Day was just last week. And... Uh, one of the problems that we've got, you, you heard um, Nick talking about, we need consumer demand to run the economy, but at the same time, if you talk to people who are worried about the fate of the earth, we need less consumption to preserve the earth. So are, are the plutocrats, in a sense, saving us from ourselves by tamping down? Um, but anyway, um, I just wanted to get some juices going and people thinking, and uh, I'll, I'll let people... Uh, ask questions or, or make statements at this point? Anybody? Nope. <laughs> I, I would like to take on your um, controversial one, so to speak, but I, I, just that to make the point that consumption is, that how you consume is a key thing more than just raw consumption. I mean, you can do consumption, you can structure an economy in a way that is harmonious. Um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Cradle to Cradle, a book by um, Bill McDonough. But just though, if, as we have historically consumed, yes, there's been much at the great price of the environment and humans, but you can set, you can set up the rules in a way that wouldn't do that. And, and that could go off on a whole other talk, so I'll just leave it at that. So one of the things that occurs to me is if you look at very poor nations, one of the, one of the problems with uh, the ecology right now is nations like China and India 
coming into the modern era and um, basically buying their way into that or, or producing their way into that by burning coal. And, and that's been the, the process. Hello. Yes. You made a statement earlier about Nick's talk wasn't actually on his own website. Do you know what the reasoning for that is? Um, oh, so he had given a five-minute talk that was kind of a TED talk that they hadn't put up on, uh, posted on the TED site, and so there was some controversy about that. This second talk, this 20-minute talk that he did, they did put up on the TED site. Oh, they did. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I was thinking if he got a tremendous amount of backlash from his friends <laughs> in that <laughs> upper class. Um, so he was talking about, um, I guess, funding education and, like, supporting the middle class. Um, would that not be socialism? Um, because you're putting more money into that, you know, getting people educated and Medicare and all of that. So would that not be socialism? Or? Yeah, okay. I mean, you bring uh, forth an interesting point. I guess it's the... Um, there are uh, certain mechanisms we have in our in our society that uh, do share resources, um, public education being one. So, yeah, I'm not sure how to answer that question. I think you kind of did. I mean, I actually have a problem with the the label socialism because we have many socialistic aspects. When do you suddenly cross a line that is socialism? Public schools are pure socialism. We share our roads. It's just different societies coming from Sweden. They're different societies. A lot of Americans say they're socialism. Like, they're capitalists. They just are willing to pay higher taxes and have money be used for common good more, but they're definitely capitalists. Um, so, I, I don't know, I just dislike the label socialism because almost every Western nation is socialistic on some level, and some are further along a spectrum. It's all gradient. So... Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does. <laughs> um, so it, I was going to respond to that with, you know, there's capitalism in its purest form, which tends towards monopoly. So, uh, you know, and he mentioned that on the on the talk, is that all capitalist economic systems, if they're not regulated, go towards monopoly, which is why we have antitrust regulation in, in the U.S. Um, every capitalist nation is a form of regulated capitalism which has these uh, regulations for the social good and so they're social democracies and socialism is only a dirty word in the United States because of the the 1950s uh, cold war against communism in the eastern bloc which was also called social democracy the Nazis called themselves so a uh, social democracy, but they weren't. They were they were actually fascist systems. Um, so it kind of got a dirty, dirty uh, association. Yeah, it's, it's poor marketing, but um, but we are a social democracy. We're a little less social than places like Sweden, uh, and we are on that that spectrum. But um, a, a pure capitalist economy can't actually survive. It will destroy itself. I'm I'm thinking about perhaps sometime um, giving a talk on 
Africa, the, the inside perspective of Africa, which is an ancient system, very, very unequal, very classist. Um, it, it has everything that you can, that, that, that we can say is wrong with it, and yet there is a strange stability to it that I'm not sure that I fully understand. The, the, pitch, the pitchforks do come, but way later than you would expect. And, um, and so there's, there's something about these ancient societies that I'm grappling with, that these ancient systems, feudal systems, for example, that is more stable than I would have thought. I'm, I'm still thinking that through. Unless someone has a follow-up, I just was switching, thinking about uh, bullet three there about uh, pitchforks become obsolete, and I would argue that actually things like social media and such now are the pitchforks, uh, and they are out very strongly if you read many political posts and quite um, sharp, I guess, to, to go along with the pitchfork analogy there uh, on both sides, on the on the left and the right very extreme, which I think is part of the problem, is that you can't try to have a civil discussion half the time on these things without it, it evolving into some horrible back-and-forth argument, not changing anybody's mind and not even a discussion. But but with the surveillance state, and I guess you could say other countries, limit that for a reason, because it is the pitchfork that comes out. And so like China or other countries that might limit like Facebook in certain ways or those kind of things are, are trying to, to limit this or trying to stop this pitchforks. Thanks for that perspective, Mike. I hadn't really thought about that. And and in a sense you could you could argue that the um, sort of like the, the pen and the sword idea and um, and the, the, the pen is available to everybody, right? I'd like to address the third question. Uh, yes, it's been demonstrated that a combination of surveillance state and warrior cop make a pitchfork obsolete until the rest of the world responds. Adolf Hitler tried that, succeeded very nicely within Germany, but the result was the destruction of Berlin. Thank you. So I wonder, though, if if the 30s and 40s Germany uh, had something like Facebook, if you would have had we had the internet kind of thing at that time, would it have evolved to that level that Hitler did, or would it have uh, changed something? If that because that open discussion was not quite there, except you know privately. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was wondering if back then, if we had something like social media, uh, when Hitler was rising into power, would it have Followed the same exact path, or would there have been something different when people actually discussing things over long distances? I think Germany had such horrible economic conditions, and I saw them when we went shopping in Germany before the war, when a postage stamp was stamped over with a trillion marks. And if you wanted to buy a postage stamp, you better go with a wheelbarrow 
and put all the money you had, and it wouldn't be enough to buy a postage stamp. The economic conditions had gone way beyond, and people in desperation at that point uh, had a revolution, which turned into Nazi power and fighting the whole world. So, so I remember um, in, in this talk, uh, Hanauer was saying that uh, should the pitchforks come out, everybody will suffer, that the, the plutocrats would suffer. But he, he made the point, I don't think he really um, elaborated on it, but his point was that everybody would suffer. And I think the if you look at a lot of revolutions, uh, rarely do they start with a goal and get to that goal without some wandering. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, I remind everybody that Adolf Hitler came to power in Germany by winning an election. People were so were, were so downtrodden that they would vote for anything to, to give it a chance to... Uh, the other thing I need to remind people of is that before it was done, you all know about the six million Jews that died in concentration camps, but mo nobody talks much about the two million ethnic Germans that died in concentration camps because they'd objected to Adolf Hitler's way. All right. Well, thank you. Um, it's about time to stop now and make way for, for John and his service. But um, thanks for your comments. Uh, and I encourage you to think about <laughs> this, this some more. Uh, if anyone has a uh, forum topic they're burning to present. We have some openings in May. Come and see me. Thank you.